Well, welcome to Elk Week, everybody. This is day one of what will be five back-to-back daily episodes this week on how to hunt elk. So the whole idea with this series was basically pulling you guys to get what are the most common questions, what are the things you guys want to know, what can help you most for elk hunting, which is hopefully kicking off here in a few days or a few weeks for you. But we we talked with quite a few guys in each of these episodes. You're going to hear from Dan Staten, Corey Jacobson, Paul Medell, and Trent from Born and Raised Outdoors. And so we take these four guys and give them the same question, the same topic, get their opinion, their thoughts, and their suggestions. So in this first one, for example, we're talking about how to find elk and their top tactics for finding elk. So this could be before season, during season, but when they boil down, how do they find elk? So Steve, this series is similar to the podcast series we did in July, the roundtable, but focused specifically on elk. Just to kick things off, um, what what comes to mind for you on this topic of just locating and finding elk? What is your go-to? Hmm. Yeah, good question. <laughs> I think it's 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 really hard for me to narrow that one down. Um, I, I guess it all. I mean, you can do as much e-scouting as you want, but you got to get boots on the ground uh, and just get out there and spend some time in the woods. Um, and you're gonna, I, yeah. To me, that's probably it. To be honest with you, it's not a. There's no shortcut to this answer. There's the best places um, you could scout on online, and you get out there, and they're just not good. And um, I know that's not a great answer for guys because <laughs> it doesn't help. Um, but I, you just gotta get out there and, and scout. And then if you can't scout, man, that's when you really need to dive into your research um on the e-scouting side of it i guess and 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 get on the phone and talk to biologists and and find out if there's other hunters and look at harvest success rates and and things like that to do your best homework that you can so if you're going in blind you're at least as informed as you as you possibly can be but in, in my experience i've just found you know every really every year um you know especially like january december january or even um, uh, during September, I'll find a spot that, say, I don't get to check out, but I'll just kind of mentally flag it. And then over the winter, I'll, I'll just go through Google Earth and I'll put pin marks down. I specifically probably do this more so for deer because I kind of tend to hunt the same elk country um, just because I know it. But I just put a, you know, like check out in 2019 is my pin tag, you know, and, and then. Uh, I go go back and reference that, and short of um, you know, you just got to get. That. I, I have one spot in elk that I really want to go check. It's been on that. It's been attacked for probably five, six years. I've never made it over there. Um, and then, um, yeah, I said you just got to get there and 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 see what it is, and hopefully you can do that before season starts. So, uh, one thing that um, on a kind of a side note on that too is scouting. The tough part about early season scouting boots on the ground is you don't know what it looks like September 1st. Um, I can think of places I've scouted that looked awesome, and then you roll up there to the, the trailhead or the parking lot or whatever it is, and there's freaking 10 other rigs there opening day, you know? So um, kind of kind of going back to picking out some spots in September, um, you know, it's a good time to, to do that and check things out. I, if... And if you're young and have a bunch of time or you're old and you're retired and you have a bunch of time, um, even after you tag out, I wouldn't call September quits. I'd go back out there with a camera 
and hunt some new country, just take photos and get out there and hike and check it out and see what, what the animals are doing and what the hunting pressure is like. Yeah, the, this topic's so interesting because there's so many different ways to tackle this. You know, guys invest very heavily in e-scouting. Some guys don't e-scout at all, and it's all about boots on the ground. And that's one thing I appreciated about what we'll hear from Dan and Corey and Paul and Trent here in a bit is their different strategies. And take somebody like, you know, Trent and all the born and raised guys, he talks about they don't they don't scout specific bulls or anything like that. They do a ton of stuff on the fly. You know, they're, they're moving to new states and new areas and having new opportunities. And so some guys are going to skew very much heavy towards, all right, here's my plan when I get boots on the ground during a hunt. And that's how I find elk during the hunt. And other guys are going to have much more invested, I would say, in e-scouting. Some guys have much more invested in boots on the ground scouting before season. So there's not one right answer here. But I think that's one thing that's great about this series and we'll hear the different opinions and thoughts and techniques is it's going to give different people with different opportunities and capabilities and amounts of time and access and all that different strategies for how to find elk. So, yeah, let's kick this one off. How to find elk. Let's start things off with Dan Staten. Well, um, when it comes to locating elk, I think that that's the number one question I get on my podcast. And I think it's the number one question everyone's asking, especially like rookie or newbie or just folks going to areas they've never been before. So before we talk about locating elk, I'm going to always suggest that bow hunters specifically need to go back to the same place year after year and expand their knowledge on that area you know, bouncing around from state to state and without consistency, you're going to always be struggling to find elk unless you get really lucky. And you're going to burn some of your time, which is very finite, searching for where are the elk. And elk are nomadic. No, no matter where you're hunting them, whatever state, elk are nomadic and they have little tier systems in mountains. And they're going to be on some sort of tier where the food's at, bottom line, like they got to eat. And they, you know, you'll hear guys say they need food, water, cover. Okay, yes, but they can also travel great, great distances way faster than us to get to all those locations. So if you actually just want to find where they're at, you need to figure out where are they eating? Where are they getting their calories? They're a big animal and the cows are going to be very concerned with eating and the bulls will be too, but mainly breeding, their instinct to breed when we're talking September and late August and and October. And there's several phases of the rut. So I'm going to kind of hone in on what I know, which is archery elk hunting. And that generally is last week of September. I'm sorry, last week of August all the way through September. And so finding elk in that time frame, I think you should start with researching on your computer. There is so many resources out there now in this digital era that I did not have when I started my elk hunting learning curve. I'd say podcasts are probably way up there because you can consume them uh, with headphones in while you're doing other things. And then you hear a nugget, you pause it, you go write it down. So find some good elk hunting specific podcasts. Uh, That's not a shameless plug for mine. There's many elk hunting podcasts out there and great guests. Um, I love guys like Corey Jacobson and Paul Medell, the Elk Nut. Um, they're very into vocalizations and stuff like that. And 
and we'll get into that. But the first thing is to do your homework. Your due diligence starts with, I believe, Google Earth. And I just recorded not too long ago with Mark Livesey on e-scouting. And he can cover so much on e-scouting that it can almost be overwhelming. So I cornered him on just one topic, and that was Google Earth and KLM files. And just like on X from a desktop or some other, you can incorporate layers into your Google Earth. And you can research on YouTube or how to do it or find the podcast um, where I interview Mark and go through step-by-step how to download KLM files. These are layers. And there's real specific ones you're going to want to have as overlay where you can see your unit in a way that you've got the pitch or the angle. You can do your flyovers. It's got a unit boundary. You can familiarize yourself with exactly where you are allowed to hunt with your unit or your area, and you can fly the boundary. And I gotta be honest, I mean, elk hunting, I've never seen so many elk hunters than I have now, so you have to think like an elk. Where are they gonna go when they get pressure? And you may be surprised that, you know, the elk are not where you the obvious places. They're they're going to get pushed, and you can almost count on it nowadays that the elk are going to be in those harder to reach areas. So you want to research where are the main trailheads, where are the main campgrounds, where are the dead end roads, and then you want to get away from those. You want to find where they're going to get pushed, and they're going to find their little mini sanctuaries. That's really important to familiar familiarize yourself with the lay of the land. Do it with the layers and figure out kind of your options or what Mark says his hunt plans where he's got three to five different areas with all the details, including dropping pins where he's going to camp. I love that because when you're elk hunting and things are hard and you're fatigued and you're under duress, you can make poor decisions. But when you have a written, concise plan that you created in your office when you weren't under duress and you were thinking straight – you can go back to that. I've had times where I've worked really hard and got a shot at a bull and missed, and I just wanted to go pout in my tent, but instead I had my hunt plan, open it up. Oh, yeah, I remember that area, and you've got another plan for the next day because, you know, if you're hunting solo or if you're hunting with a partner, you've got to keep each other positive because you're always going to like have different times where one guy's down and out or fatigued or just – you know, burnt or missing family, and you got to be able to feed off each other. So a hunt plan, digital scouting, e-scouting. When I say e-scouting, I mean specifically Google Earth and KLM files. And I like to keep it simple. I don't want a bunch of fancy other apps. I just want to use that and get the lay of the land. Now, once I'm at my place where I'm going hunting, and I've never been there, I mean – I like to drive and kind of get a lay of the land, boots on the ground, kind of look around and see how different does it look in in real life compared to Google Earth because it will. And a lot of times it's actually steeper than it looked on Google Earth, which is pretty common. But you're going to travel and figure out kind of, okay, this is what I'm looking at. This is where, okay, this looks like that. I thought it would look like this. And you kind of start to figure, all right. I'm going to go to my first area and I got to cover ground. Now, obviously, pitching out bugles is like probably the most common thing that most guys think they need to do. They need to throw out bugles. And I would agree, but I like good old fashioned elk sign. 
And when I talk about elk sign, I want fresh elk poop. Like it's got to have some green in it. It's got to almost be steaming. That's a good place to start. And then I'm looking for tracks. I'm not looking for a single. I'm looking for multiple tracks. I want to know that there's a herd in here. And then obviously the bulls started making rubs mid-August. And a lot of times those bulls, wherever they rub their velvet off, they're, they're not going to be there. They're actually going to go to where their, their breeding grounds are. So you have to make sure you're not seeing rubs and getting all excited and then come to find out these rubs were made in middle of August and this is where they summered and now they've pieced out. You want to find fresh, fresh rubs once it's in September. And those are going to be pretty obvious based on the bark, the bark that's on the tree that's been rubbed and the bark that's on the ground. Obviously, I, I can't just walk up to a, a rub tree and, and look at it and taste it and tell you, oh, this was made 36 hours ago. But I think you can tell between, you know, a week or two for sure. So finding those fresh rubs and then water sources are really important. You know, a lot of people get excited about wallows, but elk will drink water anywhere they can. Seeps, uh, streams or, you know, creeks, uh, ponds, wherever. So finding water and seeing the fresh tracks in the water, the fresh mud torn up or where a bull's taken his antler and raked it all across the ground. Um, he's going to pee all over the place. My sense of smell is awesome. And so I can really tell when an elk has just been here. It'll smell just like a bull. Now, elk will pee in their beds as well. And a ruddy bull will pee in a bed and it will stink like a bull for several days, if not longer. So I'm talking like a strong musk of elk pee that's like almost like you can almost taste it. I know that sounds terrible, but it's just like, oh my gosh, this just happened. That's what I want to find. Now, glassing for elk, it's always going to depend on terrain features and topography. You know, timbered elk are really tough to glass, but if you're in an area where you can you can glass, then take advantage of it. Get yourself in a place where your smell is out of there and you can see every direction set up shop and just glass and listen for bugles that's going to be a great way uh, and if you're with a team of guys i definitely think you should divide and conquer this will probably be like i think the most important tip i'm going to give is if you're in a squad of two three four guys you guys should meet you're in a new area you need to divide and conquer you need to meet back at the truck in probably a day like hey, you go do this 13 mile loop you go do this six-mile loop, and we're all going to meet back at the truck, and we're going to share intel and maximize our time and get into the, the whoever found the most concentrated sign of elk or heard the most bugles. That's, that's what I would do. I hunt solo, so I have to find all those on my own. And so when I'm going solo, I'm going to put a sleeping bag and pad, real lightweight, of course, but I'm going to set out with the theory that I'm only going to camp if I'm into elk thick. Otherwise, I'm just going to make a loop, get back to the truck, and go to the next area and just keep making my, you know, whatever loops until I figure out where the best place is where the elk are at at the time. And mobility is probably the most important component to finding elk. Um, a lot of places will allow you to use a four-wheeler or UTV, ATV, dirt bike, e-bike. Utilize them. Um, a lot of places I hunt in Idaho, I'm on a dirt bike, so I can cover a 20 mile square area in a few days searching for 
the hottest elk. I know that there's elk everywhere spread out in that 20 mile, but I'm trying to find elk that have a hot cow where multiple bulls are bugling. My odds go way up when there's a hot cow. And so that's kind of how I seek finding elk is all those components. Um, I'm not oh, um, a guy that gets discouraged when I can't get him to talk. What I'll do is I'll probably push the envelope on sleep deprivation. I will probably not go back to camp if it's been a couple days and I can't find elk. I'm going to get in my truck and I'm going to find a road system where I can drive a mile, throw a bugle, drive a mile, and just make sure I'm in places where I can really send that bugle a long ways away. And with Onyx now, you can really look on a map and see where you're at and where are the best places to pitch those bugles. You can do it on foot as well. It's a little bit more hardcore, but you can hike ridgelines at night and throw out bugles. You just never know what time of the year. You know, It could have been hot all day. It could be a full moon. Those are the times where you're going to know that, man, the elk are going to be limited on their daylight activity, and I need to find them. They're going to probably at least answer me back at night. I'm going to pitch bugles at night, and that's a great way to go. And you can almost get on the elk's program where you're not going to bed till like 1 in the morning because you're trying to find elk, and then your alarm's going off at 4 a.m. You're camped on the elk. You're hunting them, and maybe you have to take a midday siesta and skip midday madness, but but – that's okay with me because I can get set up in the afternoon, evening for when they're going to get up and start milling around and get ready to head to their feed for the evening. I feel like those are really good plays. And I really like the wind and the thermals in the evenings, especially the last half an hour of daylight. So being able to move in and be aggressive those last 30 minutes of daylight is critical. A lot of guys will start hiking back towards base camp, spike camp, I would say in those magical 30 minutes, the last 30 minutes of daylight because they're concerned about, well, I need to be able to see where I'm going. I got to at least get going in the right direction. And I think that's you're squandering an opportunity to really hunt those elk aggressively because the wind is pretty darn good in the evenings, especially those last 30 minutes. And then if you don't get them, you're just going to – hike to the nearest ridge to get your scent out of their area and be ready for them to be back over in that general area in the morning. So that's how I find elk. It's all about determination and utilizing your resources. Next up, we'll hear from Corey Jacobson. So I think, you know, when we talk about locating elk, it really, there's there's a lot of different times that we're going to need to locate elk and I think first off it's just through e-scouting that's that's how I really scout most of my areas is just jumping on google earth and on x and kind of looking for areas and I you know I like to hunt places I'm familiar with uh, just to stay in my comfort zone but at the same time I love to explore new areas too so when it comes to e-scouting I'm just I'm really looking for three primary things and that's the three primary things elk need uh, pretty much any time of the year, and that's bedding areas, feed, and water. And so, you know, Google Earth is—it's uh, really changed the game when it comes to e-scouting because you can find all those things remotely. And I think once you start looking at a certain area, and those areas start popping out to you, 
uh, it's kind of easy to triangulate the three and then find areas that are going to hold elk. And so that's, you know, for e-scouting, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for, I think primarily bedding areas are the first things I look for. So I'm looking for a north-facing slope, that dark timber on the north side. And Google Earth makes it nice because you can just swing the 3D image around and look like you're looking from the north into those areas and see the the dark green hillsides. If I can find a benchy area on a north-facing slope, uh, that makes me think, hey, that's a prime area for an elk to bed. And then from there, I just look for uh, maybe open ridges that face kind of to the south that would have good graze or good browse that the elk can feed on. And then on Google Earth, you can also see water. So I'm just looking for, you know, the really bright green patches in the draws and the meadows. And if I can find those three things kind of close together, then that becomes a, an area that I want to uh, maybe scout physically, or if I don't have time to scout physically, that I just go to and start hunting. And it's amazing because when you take the, those those areas like that and say I'm looking at a specific unit and a, a specific area within that unit, when I start looking for those three key elements, it's amazing how few areas there really are. You know, you, you get into an area and there might only be six or seven of those areas that stand out, and it really helps focus that uh, that scouting remotely from there i just i transfer the the waypoints i've created over to onyx maps and i do all that on the computer just sitting right here and that way when i head into the field i open up my phone onyx maps is right there all of those waypoints have transferred over and i can walk right to them in the field and i think you know that leads into the next part which is the boots on the ground scouting how do you locate elk you know physically on the ground and i think it's different when you're scouting uh, than it is during season so as far as boots on the ground, really what I'm looking for is I'm going to those areas I've, I've identified and looking for signs of previous rut because necessarily or finding elk necessarily in the summer doesn't mean that they're going to be there uh, when season starts. So I'm not necessarily looking for elk when I'm scouting during the summer. I'm looking for signs of previous rut because that's when I'm going to be there hunting and elk typically rut in, in the same general area. So I'm looking for old rubs. I'm looking for wallows. I'm looking for trails. A lot of times the cows will be, uh, right now during the summer months, they'll be in the same place where the rut's going to happen. So if I do see some cows at daylight or if I put up trail cameras, I'm looking for the cows. And that's really what my on-the-ground scouting looks like for locating the elk and locating areas to hunt the elk. And then when it comes time to uh, to hunt them during season, you know, we're hunting during September, it's it's the rut. Uh, I'm primarily locating elk with a bugle tube. So I kind of put all of my efforts from e-scouting and boots on the ground, whether it's trail cameras, whether it's just basins that I've located. Uh, from there, it's, it's trying to find an elk that will bugle. So just getting on a ridge and hiking a lot of country all day long and casting location bugles down into those basins and trying to get a, a response will tell me, hey, there is an elk right there. And, and it's kind of cheating because, you know, I walk by a lot of elk that aren't actually bugling. And for me and my style of hunting, I, I don't care to locate those elk. I'm looking to locate an elk that is bugling. So it does make it kind of easy that I'm only finding those with the, that are bugling and I'm using a location bugle to find them because I think it's a lot more efficient than trying to get in there and, you know, pick out an elk that's quiet in uh, in a heavily timbered area. So it's, uh, that's my, that's my go-to for locating elk kind of in the three different phases, the e-scouting, the boots on the ground, physical scouting, and then during the season. 
on the East Guiding piece, do you try to connect the dots, if you will, between like a bedding feeding area in terms of, you know, let's say they're bedding on the north side. This looks like some good feed on the south side. Getting from point A to point B, if you will. Oh, there's a saddle on the ridge. Like, do you try and like maybe anticipate where and how they move between those different zones? I don't from e-scouting. So e-scouting, all I'm looking for are, you know, the bedding, the feed, the water. And then I kind of just draw a triangle and say, okay, this is the basin where all three of those elements are located. Uh, they're probably in this general area. And honestly, when it comes to uh, boots on the ground, a lot of times I don't actually put boots on the ground to scout an area. Once I find those areas on Google Earth, transfer them to OnX, you know, I kind of come up with a game plan for during season and I just get up above that basin or I hike through that basin or whatever it is and throw out location bugles hoping to locate elk. And if they aren't there, I just hop right over to the next area I've located on Google Earth and and go from there. So I don't necessarily – if I was looking to place trail cameras, that's probably the boots on the ground portion where I would say, okay, here's the, the bedding area I've identified. Here's some water. Here's some potential feed areas. Then I might look for actual trails that would – indicate that they're actually traveling from point A to point B and maybe put a trail camera on that trail. But when it comes to hunting them, I really don't spend a lot of time trying to figure out exactly where they're traveling because with the bugle, I just need to find them and move in on them. I was going to ask if, uh, what's your ideal distance from a road trail when you're, you know, you're zoomed out on Google earth and you got roads and trails overlaid on there. Do you have rules or you just doesn't really matter? It could be half a mile. It could be 10 miles. If I don't know the area, like if I've never been there before, I usually like to find an area that's at least a mile off of a road. <clears throat> and the, the beauty of that is typically if somebody's going to bugle from the road, getting a mile off the road, you aren't going to be able to hear that. So any, any pressure that comes from the road, which I would say 75% of the pressure does, you know, isn't going to affect the elk if you get a mile off the road. With that being said, though, I do have areas that I hunt that I've hunted for years that there are elk within 400 yards of the road and they live there and they just, you know, even with pressure, sometimes they come back there because it's a good bedding area. They can hear the traffic on the road. They can smell somebody that's approaching them from the road. And so, you know, I certainly don't discount areas that are close to the road, but if I'm doing strict e-scouting for an area I've never been into, I definitely like to focus a mile off the road. And now we'll hear from Trent Fisher of Born and Raised Outdoors. We kind of break it down into categories. So what we've done in the past, we've never ever really scouted an elk that we've shot. We've never named a bull. We've never <laughs> done anything like that. Um, we're usually just out there and come across them in the spots that we choose. But it starts out way, way before that. It starts um, – usually we're going to start with um, – on the computer, honestly, finding a unit first. We're going to go – first, we're going to go through Go Hunt. We're going to see some draw odds. We're going to see – you know, we're going to see we, – a big thing that we look for in that is like bull-to-cow ratio. We're just wanting to put ourselves in a position to, to – to harvest an elk we don't necessarily have to have the biggest bull in the country we don't we're not um always searching for uh you know the 350 to you know bigger class bulls we are just looking for opportunity especially with so many people that we usually have in our hunting party like up to five tags so 
So right off the bat, we're going to look for bull to cow ratio and go hunt and um, break that down. And then, then once we've picked our unit from there, we're going to break it down a little bit further. So without having boots on the ground, without being anywhere near the place, we've never ever like drawn, driven across the country and, and scouted a place physically that we're going to hunt that seasons just because a lot of people, including us, we don't have the time to do it. We don't have the money, the extra money to do that. So realistically, we're going to do everything either, you know, on the computer or, or through phone call. That kind of brings up like kind of the next thing we do is we're going to call fish and game. Once we've, once we've dialed down a unit and said, okay, we're going to try here. We're going to call fish and game. Um, from that district or that unit or the closest one around and say, Hey, this is what I'm looking for. This is, this is the kind of hunt that I want to go on. And that that's the biggest thing I think too, is talking to the fishing game and telling them your capabilities. Cause a lot of times they're going to talk to you and you're going to, they're just going to go, uh, dude, we don't know who you are. You could be Joe Smo um, out there that, you know, barely gets off the road. So they don't want to put you in a position where it could potentially maybe be a dangerous issue and saying, Hey, yeah, if you get back in here five miles, there's, you know, it seems to be great elk country and everything. So tell them your physical abilities first, tell them what you've kind of done in the past a little bit, kind of give them a brief description of yourself just so they kind of understand, okay, this guy's, either really legit and he can go in the places where we've found elk on horseback and he can make it there on foot or something to that nature. So anyway, explain yourself to them and explain what you're looking for and ask for, I already have pre-written questions down. Like what's, what is their um, take on the bull to cow ratio in that unit and what, what they think of, um, of the terrain and stuff like that. And then you can go even further and, and get the local game wardens number because the local game wardens, they're usually traveling around. They're usually always moving. They're usually seeing exactly what people are harvesting because they have either check stations or something of that effect. And so ask them kind of say, how was it last year? How, you know, the last three years been in that unit and, and, and go from there with them and, and, and see what they say. And then, um, then go even further than that. After that, our next step would probably be looking at it um, on X. So checking out the terrain yourself, looking for bedding areas, looking for those uh, north-facing slopes, south-facing slopes, whatever kind of terrain or timber slash opening slash whatever that, that, uh, that you're looking for. So, and then water sources is another big one. So if you're backpacking, you definitely have to have available water sources. Um, usually anywhere out west, you're going to run into some water no matter what. But there is places that I've heard guys hunt that, you know, water's a long ways away and they're packing it in in the off season. So definitely look for those things. And that's where Onyx comes in. Um, you can even plan your whole hunt. I mean, honestly, you can you could plan um, each day individually with the route that you're going to take with with the um, either loop that you're going to make or a base camp and um, however you want to hunt it. Uh, Onyx is a great thing for that. So that would be the online side of things, I would say. And um, I think another thing that people talk about is, man, there's no elk here. You know, um, you got to be mobile that time of year. So one thing that we always say to people is uh, have at least three spots picked out. So 
our idea is within those three spots, you're going to find elk at one of the spots. And so if you don't find elk in the first spot that you, that you've e-scouted, you finally got there, you're hiking in, you're looking around, elk are going to leave sign. You are going to tell if you're in elk, or you're going to tell if you're not. And either you're spooking them or you're seeing sign from them or, you know, just whatever. They, they, they're they either there or they're not there. We had a time in Colorado here um, a couple years ago where the year before that, there was a ton of elk. It was awesome hunting. And we went back to the same spot the next year. And we found in like six days, we killed one elk. And it was, I mean, it was tough to find them. It was not nearly as good at hunting as the year before. So we hiked out and it was probably an eight mile. We were in there probably eight miles and we hiked out, drove all night long and uh, got to another trailhead the next day and hiked in and then found elk, you know, we killed two more in like three days. So it be mobile. That's what I would say to anybody that's, um, my grandpa used to hunt this spot. He said, and this was the greatest spot. Well, you know, elk aren't always there every single year. So don't get stuck on certain spots and, um, and be mobile is what I would say. And that, that's kind of how we find elk, I would say. Yeah, that's great. Can you elaborate, especially for guys who are newer to understanding how to pick units, how to pick states, et cetera. You mentioned bull cow ratio, but kind of go a little bit deeper into that. What are you looking for with those numbers? Okay. First, first off, I think we're going to look for just availability, right? Can we draw the tag? Can we, can we, are, you know, what's the, what's the logistically wise, what's the chances of us actually making it there? So then there's great States like Colorado that, you know, over the counter. So we know it's a gimme. We know we can get in there. And then bull to cow ratio is a big one for us just for opportunity. Like I was saying, um, we're looking for, you know, a higher bull to cow ratio. So like Oregon here, it's like 10 to a hundred, you know, but, uh, some of the places in Colorado, it's like 50 bulls to every hundred cows. So there's going to be a lot more opportunity to, uh, to shoot a bull elk there. So, um, that's what we're looking for when I say bull to cow ratio. And then, um, and then the draws are another big number, you know, obviously that you got to look at and then realize, you know, putting it as a party or individually what that number looks like. And does it make your odds better um, if we can all go to the same spot? So that's kind of the number side of games that we're looking for. Last but certainly not least, we have Paul the Elk Nut Bedell. So what I basically do is... I start looking for areas. Let's say I'm going to go out of state or a new area. I'm, I'm going to look into a unit or a zone that appeals to me. And, and so what I'm looking for is country that is pretty much roadless to an extent and trailless. I don't, I don't really care for those that much. If you happen to stumble on a trail somewhere and there's nobody using it, that's just blind luck. But generally, they're overpopulated. So when I'm e-scouting, and I mean it's really brief. I'm just kind of picking out a, a, let's say we drew a unit and, and, and even if it's an over the counter unit, either way, I'm going to look a unit over and I'm going to try to find the areas where it's void of most of these trails and, uh, and, and dirt roads, uh, gated roads. I'm going to try to, to eliminate it, but I'm not trying to, to go, you know, 10 miles from them. I'm just trying to get just enough out of their way that I think when elk, when, when hunters are, are using those travel routes and where the elk may push to. So that's what I'm looking at. And most of that country I'm looking for, I like steep and rugged. 
That's my number one criteria is when I can find steep country timbered because I'm really all about calling more so than just a spot and stock like you would deer. Just because I like the more, I like the challenge. So what I'm doing is I'm, I'm looking for that steeper roadless uh, or, or, or trailless type country so that if I go in a mile and a half or two, I don't run into the trail or another road on the other side. So I'm, I'm looking where I have those empty little pockets. And, 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 and if it benches in those steep areas, that's great. But those are the things I'm actually looking for before I even worry about do I think there's elk there. First of all, I want to find that country, and then I start breaking the country down as far as looking for little basins, looking for water, looking for creeks, uh, you know, meadows, basins, where they head off into something, or, or, or running drainages, east, west, north, south. Then I start compiling all that, but first I want to find that area that I feel will have fewer to no people, and, and, and so that's, that's my number one thing is to find that spot before I worry about hunting elk. Yeah, that's great. When it comes to that next level of looking at say terrain features within a given area what are the first things you look at um personally like do you zone in on water more than bedding do you zone in on certain topography features like you mentioned the steepness or certain saddles like just in looking at topography what are what are the things you look at most paul yeah, you know, those things all work themselves out. If you can find country, like I'm mentioning, once you get up in there or me, one of my favorite things to do right now is when I find that unit or I find that portion of a unit that I decide this is leaning toward my strength of what I'm looking for. Here's what I do. <laughs> I I take my phone out and I have the Garmin uh, Earthmate. And I actually take my phone and I plug it into my 60-inch screen TV. And now I'm going over that unit, that portion of the unit that I'm interested in, and I go to imagery. And on imagery, it's like I'm standing right there in the, in that country. It's not cartoonish. It's very lifelike. And so now I'm looking at the dirt road I would come in on, and now I'm looking the whole area over. And I'm looking. I can see there's no roads. There's no trails from the e-scouting getting the basic – uh, overlay of the mountain. I already know, I know for, you know, a 10, 12 mile stretch and maybe five to seven miles deep. This is the section I'm going to concentrate on right in here. And in that section, I may find 10 spots minimum that I think could hold elk. I don't care where they're bedding and I don't care where they're feeding. I, I don't care about any of that. I'm just trying to get into the country that most people aren't hunting. And then I let my bugle do the work. My bugle finds everything. I could care less about fresh sign and trails running all over. And I'm not going to really be the guy that hunts the wallows and the water holes. I like it when I find them and I can see the activity around them and I can see if there's been recent disturbance. Those are always fun, exciting, take a few photos, you know, da, da, da. But I'm not going to sit them because I'm just not that guy. You know, maybe as I, if I get once I get too old to do that, I may concentrate more on, on tree stands ambushing elk in that manner but so so basically once i get into that country i am going to let the bugle find those animals and, and 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 so i'm looking for the time of day i'm there if it's the first hour of daylight and i get elk to respond there's a good chance they're near their feeding area and and, and once you get into that 45 minutes to an hour and later they're in transition usually moving to the bedding so once i hit that nine ish 9:30th, i know that that's where the elk are in their bedding area and and they're going to be there until like the last hour of daylight. So I want to hunt those elk, you guys, 
where they are at 85% of the day. Where are they? They're in the bedding area. So that's where I want to be. I want to be in that vicinity and I'm going to find them either through the bugle or when I hear them, you know, vocalize on their own. And so when I hear them from 930 and say it gets dark at eight from 930 to 630 or so, I know they're in their bedding area or very close to it. And so this is what I concentrate on. They're not going anywhere. I have a captive audience. So if I see them sneaking in by viewing them, by glassing them because it, it lent toward it, or I'm going to catch them with the bugle and give, have them give themselves away, then I'm going to hunt them accordingly. But that is my general per se, how I hunt a unit that's new or a unit I've hunted for the last 35 years. It doesn't matter. I'm letting those things take uh, priority in every single case, even if it was September the 1st. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to move and call, move and call, move and call. Where? In areas I feel less to very few to know people will go to. And and so when I do hear an elk, it's usually an elk. And, you know, once you've been at it so long, you can usually tell if it's a hunter or an elk. But with that strategy right there, we kill elk every single year and, 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 and then some. And so, but that is my, my, my primary thing, my primary way I go about it. Gotcha. Mm. So when you said you look at the area on your big screen, you're looking at your satellite imagery, you're mm-hmm. taking, you're picking those, call it 10 spots. Mm-hmm. You're not being super strategic of saying, oh, that's feed, that's bed. You're just going, this looks like a pocket that's away from pressure, away from roads, provides some level of security for elk to inhabit. That's that's mm-hmm. how you're picking those spots, essentially. And, and most of those spots will fall between a half a mile and no more than two miles from a dirt road or a paved road. Most of them will fall all in that perimeter, that parameter, I should say. And, and, and when I say it falls in that, you know, category, so to speak, I'm talking we kill a lot of elk. You know, and those elk are killed in those vicinities, just over 200 of them in 29 years. And we're killing them in those, in those areas. I bet when Lenny hunted with this this year, Steve, he probably went back and told you, he didn't say where we were, but he probably told you, these guys are finding elk. I mean, just like right right there. They're not going anywhere. (laughs) And he he was just in awe. How we got this bull going. We got this one. We got over there and then called this bull. I mean, it was just. He's like, I, I, I didn't know you could get elk this close. And I'm saying, yeah, you just have to know these little spots. There's nobody, you know, and somebody could be camped within 500 yards of it. And they don't even know those elk are there. But it's steep. It's real steep in a lot of it. And so these guys, man, they get burned out in a day. Most guys aren't in shape. And that's what kills their hunt. They're not like you, Steve and Lenny and, 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 and even myself and my son. Well, we'll grind it out, man. We're going to keep going and we can hit those day, those areas six, seven, eight days in a row. And these guys are dead after a day. They literally are. They, they, they pulled 15, 1800 feet of just like you said earlier, it's downfall and crap everywhere. Lenny probably told you what the brush was like. It's a joke. I mean, mm-hmm. that one bull came into him at five yards and he didn't even see it till it was right there. I mean, it's just, you just, that's the kind of country it is, and it'll beat you up. And in, and, and and if you're not used to it, it just tears them up. It really does. These, these guys are looking for easier stuff, and there's elk bugling above them, and they just won't even go after them. It's just too tough. So when we're talking these areas that I'm looking for, we're looking you know between a half a mile and two miles because that's where we're killing the majority of the bulls. I would say 90% of the elk we take every single year are is within the mile and a half range that's the most common distance but it's not the easiest country to negotiate and get in there and i think you know a lot of it is 
there's no trails to it. There's there's nothing. There's no access. You just have to. You we you know this is another part of it. So I don't want to get into that. But first of all, we just find these little areas that we think elk will dump over to, and 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 it's a good hiding spot. You know, I might hit six or seven of those though, and nothing. And then all of a sudden, bam. And when I find these spots, if I think I'm ever going to hunt this area again, even if I don't, most of the time I mark it. I mark the time of day. I mark when I, when I, uh, what I got into because these elk will use these same spots every single year. And so I'll know where they're bedding. I know where they're feeding by the time of day I contact them. And so that's one of the cool things is that once you get that, uh, that down, you're knowing if in, on future hunts, if you go back in there, I found elk here, here, and here, and here, and they're going to be back over there. At maybe not exactly that day, but within a few days or if they get pushed around, they'll be back in those little spots because we kill a lot of bulls in the same spots, even though they're different years, in the same little spots. And, 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 and they're away from where people know they're there, and they can't hear them. And so, you know, once you find those little areas like that, I personally don't go back four and five miles on a regular basis, I may cover seven, eight miles easy in a day, but not distance in, in, in a straight line. I'm bouncing around to the left, to the right, maybe up over the next ridge. And, 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 and kind of like what Steve said, you know, when he was saying you might cover eight miles in a day over here, but it's like four miles where he goes, but it's so steep. You're really not going four miles as a crow flies. You're just negotiating the mountains and trying to get around. And that's really what you're doing over here. You have, you know, in the areas that we hunt when I'm hunting dark timber, you do have a lot of fingers, a lot of little dips and valleys and nooks and crannies, and these elk can be anywhere. So so basically, you know, when I'm hunting like that, I'm, it's not like I'm really going in miles and miles. Well, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. We'll have new episodes dropping daily this week, and make sure you want to get those. So uh, thanks again to the guest as well. So just to recap, Dan Staten from Elk Shape. Be sure to check out his website, his podcast, his events, everything that he's up to. Corey Jacobson from Elk101.com. Again, a fantastic resource, especially with that University of Elk Hunting online course over at Elk101.com. If you are interested in that course, you can actually use the code XO20 to save $20 if you sign up for that course. Trent Fisher and all the guys at Born and Raised are friends of ours, elk hunting fanatics. I'm sure you're familiar with them. Be sure to hit bornandraisedoutdoors.com as well as their YouTube and hit subscribe. They have some amazing plans for this fall and some great content to come that you don't want to miss. And Paul, the Elk Nut Medill. Man, what can you say about Paul? He's so passionate, enthusiastic, knowledgeable, and we so valuable him joining us again for this podcast. So again, all these guys have been on the podcast before. You can find previous episodes with them, but be sure to go to their resources. Go check out their shows, their podcasts, their websites, their videos, and all that. As always, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. If you're new to this show, if you have questions, comments, feedback, anything like that, you can reach us directly to podcast at exomountaingear.com.